There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who just got very animated about microphones. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. (laughs) Oh, I have such... If you think I've got strong feelings about football, (laughs) you wait until you get me talking about audio equipment. Oh, my goodness. Holy shit. (laughs) I was... I was not ready for that energy. (laughs) But a very long day at work, Nathan, and... uh, that was, a, that was an exciting assault on my ears. <laughs> Bardi, welcome back from holiday. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's it's nice to be back. You guys did um did well in my in my absence. Uh, a couple of people well. said it was the best couple of people said it was the best <laughs> podcast of the of the season. I was just like, fuck off. <laughs> wow. How was your trip? It was good, Wendy. And you know what? I learned a thing about myself and I learned something about my wife as well. So we'd had a good day on the beach, right? I haven't told you this because I wanted to tell you face to face. And we'd had a good day on the beach, uh, a couple of drinks, lunch and everything else. And I'm obsessed with playing volleyball. Got got some people playing volleyball, the group of people we were with, but the kind of tide started to take us down the beach. And I, I said to everyone, no, no, we need to move up, move up the beach. Come on. And so I grabbed the ball and I did this kind of like comedic Baywatch run across the shallows and then all of a sudden I stepped on something and I was just like, oh, that's a bit funny. That <laughs> that's not that's not quite normal. Is that a stone? And then all of a sudden my my toe started to go really weird. Oh god. And then out of nowhere I had like a, a shooting pain in my toe and I've kind of pulled my foot out and there's blood coming out of my toe. So I've hobbled onto the beach. Everyone thinks I'm taking the piss because I was doing the Baywatch run and everything. I'm like, no. I'm like, <laughs> They're all no. laughing, enjoying the game. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, this is, this is serious. And then out of, my foot started to hurt. And then my foot was throbbing. And there was a real bad pain. And then it started traveling up my leg. And I started shouting, please, I think something's really wrong. Fuck, <laughs> fuck. My wife, who was watching, she comes charging across. And she's like, I know what to do. And I'm like, what? And she goes, let me pee on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit, a jellyfish thing. And I, I said, it's not a jellyfish. And she's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pee on you anyway. <laughs> So in front of the whole beach, she just um, pulled her bikini bottoms to the side, squatted and peed on me. And it it was quite nice because it was nice and warm. And by this time I was cold, but the pain was still kind of traveling up my leg and going up more and more. And I was like, it's not a jellyfish. It doesn't work. And she goes, Anthony, sit still. I'm going (laughs) to pee on you again. (laughs) 
I don't know where she got all this pee from. Eventually, somebody um, somebody decided to ring a friend who had a car, and he came um, he came charging down in his car and to pick me up. But as he was as I was waiting for him to pick me up, I was on the side of the wall, and I could feel the pain traveling more and more up oh. my leg. And it, by now, it was in my groin, and I started to think, "Oh shit! What if it, what if it keeps traveling? What happens when it reaches my heart? Do I die?" <laughs> Anyway, and there was random people on the street stopping to have a look at my foot as it was swelling up. And all, all my wife said to me was like, I told you you should have cut your toenails. Because like, I had the whole beach looking at my foot. <laughs> anyway, they took me to Centro Medico. And the nurse took one look at me and was just like, just put his foot in hot water and it'll be fine. So they took me back to the flat, put my foot in hot water and the, the poison just disappeared. And, and I was fine after about 15, 20 minutes. My toes still hurt for like a week afterwards but yeah i was fine but that was my brush with death i could feel the poison traveling up my body that was uh, so what the hell was it you stepped on i don't want to say now because i think it's they're quite embarrassing when you when you google it it's something like a weaver fish which um i mean it really hurt (laughs) um only one person's died of a weaver fish sting in in recorded history i could have been i could have been number two but they look pretty they look pretty rough but they're quite small but yeah it's a little fish that kind of hides in the sand i see and it has spikes don't look at it it's pathetic and it has spikes on the top of its head. And I, as I ran, I, I stepped on it and it gave me a good old sting. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I would have... The, 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 the way you described the pain travelling up your body, yeah. God, I would have been terrified. Yeah. You I bet you thought your, you were going to lose your leg. Well, I, I didn't know. I was just like, I didn't know what was going to happen because I could feel the pain was going up my body. And I was just like, at some point, it's going to reach a, an important part of my torso, either my, my <clears throat> testicles or, or my heart or something. And I didn't know what the poison would do to me, but it, it, it's fine. So if you're on the beach, this is, this is a life lesson for people. If you're on the beach and you step on something, you get a shooting pain in your toe, then up your foot. Get, just get a bucket of hot water, the hottest you can deal with. Stick your foot in and you'll be all right. Or, or get Barley's wife to pee on you. Yeah, I, I reckon the hottest I can handle is about pee warmth anyway, so. I mean, she technically probably did help. <laughs> Maybe, a little bit. It was quite, yeah. I've also, never, sounds I've never like she enjoyed herself, so. She did. And it, I, she was like, I needed a pee anyway. I was like, okay. <laughs> Just an excuse. Yeah. You did her a favour. Yeah, but yeah, there we go. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Always save your holiday stories for the podcast. That was That was brilliant. <laughs> I don't. I don't quite know what to do now. Um, Buy some beach shoes, some sandals. I reckon would be mm. the next step for you to do. Yeah. <laughs> some some jelly shoes, like a little toddler. <laughs> nice or some flippers. I can imagine you yeah. in some flippers. Uh, let's talk for them. Um, Bardi, I bet you were thrilled to see your old friend back in the starting eleven. Um, well, we didn't have much choice really, uh, but he played pretty good. He um, he had a good. He had a decent game. Credit to him. Obviously. He wasn't quite Basuma levels of of good, and you could see you really was there was a significant drop off. But I thought he had a decent game and did some nice stuff. I agree. I thought he was really impressive, and um, I was having a conversation about this with Reese, one of our ex subs on Twitter, and because Reese's point was, you know, he didn't really face as much pressure as as Basuma has in some of the other games, and I, I felt that was a little unfair. And I think the thing is they deal with pressure in such different ways. Like Basuma seeks out being pressed because mm. he turns into it, he goes with it and he glides through players. Whereas Hoybier will look to offload the ball and, and create an angle to either receive it back or change the angle of attack. So in a sense, it looks like Hoybier isn't under his pressure as much because he he's not trying to actively go with it. He's trying to get rid of the ball to avoid it. 
um, and Basuma is the opposite. But I felt like he handled himself really, really well. Um, I think he enjoyed playing in the system. I think he enjoyed having options available to him. Um, it meant that he could be safe when he needed to be safe, but he also had several nice switches of play, some really nice passing, and of course he, he made the interception for the second goal. Um, I think we should talk about the, the pressing in this game. I mean, I, I wasn't over, overall that impressed with our passing game in this match, but I thought our pressing was absolutely fantastic. Uh, both goals came from, from pressing. Nathan, anything you'd like to say? We, we actually had a question from Alec Depkinski who said, was there a tweak in the pressing for this game? It seemed like Madison was further forward, pressing Fulham centre-backs with Son. Decky and Richarlison were staying closer to the wings and full-backs. It may have just been the opponent, but I thought it was the best our pressers looked all season. Also, Paulinho is a hell of a player, a little foul-happy, but he was everywhere. I didn't notice anything um, really different in how he pressed in this game to how he pressed in the other game. So we, we continually switched between um, a 4-4-2, a 4-1-4-1, and then back into a 4-4-2. So, um, sorry, that's going from sort of deepest to furthest forward, right? Mm-hmm. So when we were defending on the midway line or deeper, a 4-4-2 shape, when we began to press the opposition um, on their back line into a 4-1-4-1 shape, and then Madison, depending on the behaviour of Fulham's midfielders, because Fulham were also shifting between a sort of a single and double pivot, also switching between a, a two and a three-man midfield, he would push up to then press again in a four-four-two shape onto, um, mostly onto Calvin Bassey. Um, who was so, terrible on the ball? Oh my goodness! Who, yeah, not not very comfortable. I mean, on the ball in this le- left footer playing on the right side is tricky, isn't it? But I think basically, yeah, I, I think, um, and, and and Alex says so as much himself. This was more about Fulham's difficulties in possession in that um, they are a team who uh, want to sometimes have the ball and aren't very good at having it. And we're a good pressing side and um, and those things met and we repeatedly won the ball off them high up the pitch and squeeze them out the game a lot of the time. So on Hoiberg, um I watched the game live and then I watched it back twice and I watched all of Hoiberg's involvements and then I went back and watched Basuma against Sheffield United and having done all of that, I don't have a hot take. I don't have a real answer. I have a sort of, yeah, he was pretty good. He was good, but then actually what we're looking to replace in, or, or back up in Basuma is very good, but then realistically, how high do you expect your backups to be? Is your first choice plus, yeah. you know, one of your star players? and um, yeah a few times I wish he turned with the ball knew that he could have turned with the ball that's what Basuma would have done but then also there's a couple of times as I think you've already said Windy where when the ball's in front of him sometimes he's actually better than Basuma in those moments because he can move the ball faster and, and switch it and stuff his, Just, his range of passing is is much is a lot higher better, yeah. like he, his long range passing is far superior to Basuma's Defensively, both excellent, and there isn't really a conversation there, I don't think. Um, I, I, I just... have a semi-hot take, a tepid take, if you like, on Hoyer. <laughs> I, 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 I think the, the the biggest take I had away, the biggest takeaway I had from the game was that we really missed being able to bring Hoybier off the bench for the last 15 minutes to calm <laughs> well, things yeah. down. And like yeah. by starting him, you don't get that benefit. That's fair, that's fair. I just, um, because... The reason I went back to the Sheffield United game is that both Fulham and Sheffield United pressed uh, or, or set up to defend in the way that I think is currently the best way to defend against um, Postecoglou's Tottenham, which is a 4-4-2 passive mid-block where you double mark the number six 
And then the two forwards can either push out to a centre-back or can push out to a full-back and, and try to slow us down, make us play through the wings, slow us down that way and and, and um, uh, invite us to play earlier to our wingers than we'd like to because none of our current wingers are great at being their man 1v1 right at this moment, um, especially without momentum and things like that. Um, and I do think that, like, <clears throat> if you if you're gonna like nitpick about Hoiberg, and that's what we're looking to do here, um, <laughs> then you have to go to the comparison match, which is Sheffield United, and say mm-hmm. we also struggled in possession when we mm-hmm. did have Basuma against mm-hmm. this kind of setup. <sighs> yeah, and then we are often trying to trying to bait them and draw their press out, and in that situation, Hoiberg is definitely not as good. I just think, like, yeah, basically, you're you're talking about like a few percentage points less good than Basuma, um, which again is like, what are the actual reasonable expectations for your second choice, number six? And then also um, because of the importance of that role in our team, that brings us down from being like a great team to a very good team. And and it's like, to, to look at the game as a whole here just for a second is like... Um, we were good against Fulham. We were definitely good against Fulham. We were the better team against Fulham. But when you come down from like the level of we've destroyed the team there to we were definitely better than the team there is where luck can start to not go your way just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I went into this game looking for some answers and I think I've really only come away with more questions. Mm. It was um so I was at the game and it was um it was like our first Monday night one for 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 a while and, and our first one under Ange so there was definitely a drop off in atmosphere but I just think the game was so comfortable that um there wasn't yeah the, the crowd wasn't really into it it was a lot quieter than it has been like every other game has either been an evening match on a weekend or a three o'clock on a Saturday so there was definitely a lack of energy from the crowd I was planning to go to this game until it was moved into a Monday night mm. I mean. <sighs> It, but it was comfortable. Fulham aren't very good. William still has a couple of nice touches and he's very silky, but yeah, yeah. that's that's it. You stop William, you stop them. The rest of their team's not good. Robinson's a pretty decent left back, but other than that, they're not a very good team and it was pretty controlled and it was, I was surprised at the lack of goal-scoring opportunities we created. That's my one worry about yeah. this about yeah. this match. So Raymond23 says, should we be scoring more? Yes, I, and I think this this is kind of where um, I, I got into... I caused some problems last night on, on Twitter because we should be scoring more. We should have... Our forwards should be putting the ball in the net more often. And it's becoming... Last night in the stadium, it was a weird atmosphere every time Richarlison went through on goal. And there was something... It was it was becoming a comic, comedic almost. Oh, Richarlison, oh, he's missed again. And even though he played pretty well, he played well and he gave something down that left wing that we've not had for a while. And he he offered a lot. He set up Sun and everything else. There is a there is a there is a significant issue around his goal scoring and his confidence in front of goal that's becoming close to almost like Soldado sad, if you see what I mean. Where there's just no faith anymore in in the in the crowd anyway that are in the stadium. Something has to change there. He needs to start finishing. I think I want to want to push back a little on mm. uh, you caused some problems on Twitter because <laughs> you Bardi you were so mean about Richarlison I was too mean I I I tweeted that after the second half where he just ballooned one and I was too mean I was mean on him and I shouldn't have been so mean yeah he's I thought um well he, he created one of the goals I mm. thought his his pressing I said earlier, I, th- I thought we struggled with some of our passing in this game. I think we didn't get our final third game together. It felt to me as though 
we managed to break the lines relatively well, but then the final ball was was lacking quite often, or the ball before the final ball was lacking quite often. Yeah. But I felt the counter-pressing and the pressing were really good. And for me, Richarlison is such a huge part of that. I, I don't think there's a better pressing winger in the league at the moment. And for the role he's being asked to play, I, I just think it's so useful. Um, And, and you know, it, it, it creates stuff. It creates chances. And, w- and when the passing isn't clicking, that kind of element of chaos is incredibly helpful. Uh, and I kind of think we perhaps wouldn't have... Maybe wouldn't even won the game if Richarlison wasn't playing. If that makes sense. No, I think I think we would have. I think we would have won in the end. But uh, I do agree. I think help playing wide left is helping him. And um, yeah, I think I think it's taking him out the kind of take some of the, the pressure off him. Take some of the pressure off. So the, the sun goal, the sun goal that he scored was beautiful. That was classic sun. And then he yeah. he also got an assist as well. So sun sun is doing some things. And Richarlison is is. He's battling hard on the left wing, but he needs to start scoring because the in these games where things aren't quite clicking, that counter-attack where the ball dropped to him, that should have been rolled into the bottom corner. And it's my fear that in these kind of higher pressure games that are coming, we need him to start taking these opportunities. He has to start chipping in with six, seven, eight goals. I mean, 15 is the, is the bet if we need him to at least get to eight. Do, do you think, Bardi, there's a chance that we, and by we, you, have been spoiled by having two of the world's best finishers in our team for so long and and now we're which you're witnessing a an average or slightly below average finisher and it's like this is what most strikers are like i perhaps but i do think the i don't know what the xg was on his chance that he missed last night he totaled 0.2 something 0.23 for the game so that it, it was, I think Kane probably scores one of those. So perhaps in this situation, I'm being, I'm asking, perhaps I'm asking too much. But I do think the one against Luton and the other opportunities he's had this season, he should have buried. You would expect him to bury. And I think we would need to upgrade to a, a better forward that can take those chances. He's on about three expected goals for the league season and he scored one goal from them so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that from the eye test. That's kind of what you'd expect. I'd, I'd say. Sure. Um, Son Renati Nathan says, "Is Nathan okay with Richie never scoring again, but continuing to play how he does for the rest of his game?" Um, do, basically, does he do enough without scoring goals to justify his selection? Well, I've got two different answers to two different questions there. I think that he, I think that he played really, really well um, against Fulham. I feel like I'm losing my mind arguing, <laughs> arguing this again and again, but I, I feel like he was, I feel like his defensive performance was absolutely tremendous against Fulham. I feel like his ball carrying was good. His link up play was good. He got another assist. Um, he is playing out wide in this game and not as a center forward, which is mm. worth bearing in mind when we're talking mm-hmm. about what it is we're looking for him. I accept that, um, his finishing is poor and, and has been statistically, um, throughout his time at Spurs, I guess, uh, second season. Um, but also left wing is where I would be looking to improve the first 11, um, which would mean for me that Richarlison becomes a tremendous squad player who can play centre forward against low blocks, can come on for sign at 60 minutes, can also play on the left, can start on the left well enough um, that we can still play very good football. Um, and we have done with him on the pitch in mm-hmm. in both those roles. Um so I I have no problem with Richardson. I believe that the goals will come for him playing wide or up top. <laughs> um, 
but also I would be, as it stands right now, looking to improve on his role in the starting eleven because we need a 1v1 specialist because Kulisevsky is tremendous. Although, connecting these two, a couple of times Kulisevsky crossed the ball into Little Sun <laughs> instead of going to the far post where Richarlison was, and I think that there's a goal in Richarlison there, which is what we were seeing when Peretz's... Um, was uh, still among the living, mm. unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're we're debating with Charleston again. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Nathan. Everything that Nathan said, I agree with that. Uh, let's talk fullbacks. First with Udogi. So Jessel says, how does a player like Udogi come about? He has the skill set to play in such a different starting position, so much so that I assume at youth levels he'd be pushed higher and more central. How does a guy like that end up as a fantastic left-back? He is a bit of an anomaly. Um, the only player I have to compare him to at, at, at youth level, assuming that he did play at full-back and not midfield, I really don't know where he played, uh, is, is Kyle Walker-Peters. Because Kyle Walker-Peters was a right-winger, who also sometimes played central midfield, who then got moved back to right back. But when he played right back, he was popping up in the middle of the pitch a lot and playmaking and dribbling through the centre of the pitch, mainly ball carrying. Um, and I think there are some comparisons there with, with the way Udogi plays. So it's possible to create those players in academy systems, but I mean, he is he's an oddity for sure in the best possible way. I mean, I think for me, it was noticeable how much our performance levels dropped when he went off seemingly injured on 55 minutes I think it was the my suspicion is that Palinha has injured him with that really high tackle on his stunt up tackle on the top of his foot which worries me because if he's caught him on the top of his foot those boots are not very protective and that could be some metatarsal some yeah exactly that could be metatarsal injury or broken foot or something. There was, I think, the commentator said something about his shoulder, but I don't know what they're what they're basing that on. You reminded me. I forgot to when I was talking about Hoiberg in the second half. Um, obviously, we started changing the personnel in front of him, but he started more and more dropping into the back line between the centre backs and wider centre backs to yep, create on the left three a yep. lot of the time on the left. And um, I don't get it. I don't. I'm very curious to know whether that was Hoiberg making decisions on his own or whether that was an instruction from Bostokoglu. Because, like, obviously, Fulham are pressing with the front two, and we're trying to bait them to press our two, um, so that we can play into the three in front of our two. Right? Um, why would they be more likely? Why? Why would they be more easily drawn out um, if they were pressing against the three? Or is the idea is making peace with the fact that they're not going to press out to our three, therefore we have to use that to try and find angles in. I, I felt like every time he did that, um, it didn't work. And then obviously mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got like, we lose we lose out uh, Saar for Skip, we lose out Udogi for Royale, and then we lose out Madison for the Celso. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I the, the second half really kind of fell apart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's hope Udogi is okay, but Bardi, mm. uh, I mean... <laughs> Ben Davis wasn't on the bench yesterday. I don't know whether he's picked up an injury on international duty. I don't know whether he's just the last man on the bench and, and so left off. But what do we do if Udogi is not fit for the for the game against Crystal Palace? I thought Emerson did okay at, at left wing back. I did not. At left back. I thought he did all right. He made a couple of good covering tackles. Um, I do have a question about Udogi. Like, if Gareth Bale is born in 99 instead of 89 and he comes to Spurs, do you think we play him as an inverted wing back, as an inverted fullback? Or Gareth Bale ends up 
as an inverted forward. Because mm. I, I was just thinking, because Destiny could play anywhere. We're right on that. I, perhaps he doesn't have the explosivity to be a forward, a winger in the kind of true sense of the word. But I do wonder what would happen to a, an individual, a specimen like Bale, if he came to Spurs now under Ange. Would he play him as, an, as a 20-year-old? Would he play him up wide or would he play him in this central role, just kind of marauding forward? It's, I think he'd play the inverted fullback role if he came, if he was in the state he was when he arrived at Spurs. Yeah. And then he would probably have his role changed as his confidence grew. Because that's the thing with Bale. Like, it took him a while to really believe in himself at Spurs. We'd seen it at Southampton. We'd seen his ex- explosivity at Southampton. But when he came to Spurs, it took him a good while to really get that self-belief back. Um, and he was very good 1v1. And I think okay, he, so he, he still would have he still would have ended up as a forward in the I same mode of Saka. May, maybe the left forward. maybe the left winger though, not the right winger. Yeah. Um but it's, it's an interesting conundrum and I, I think Udogi's so good. He's such an important player already. I really worry about not having him. Um and James James Ams said Windy shared on Twitter that his man of the match was Porro. From what I saw, he had a solid game defensively and tactically, positionally, he seemed to follow his instructions to a T. However, so did most of our team. So I'm curious what Windy saw that stood out beyond that or beyond the other players to make him out of the match. I mean, I think um, I think Porro has probably been one of our best players this season. I think he's probably been one of the best right backs in the league so far this season. And I think his passing and creativity just elevate us to such a huge extent uh, best right back at Spurs since Kyle Walker. I I really enjoy. I think what I really enjoyed about his what I thought was man of the match performance yesterday was it had all his usual facets. The kind of what has been um, what has become really solid one v one defending, really calm in possession, nice movement to receive, uh, good creative passing. But there was like an added tenacity and added like real fire in his belly especially when we kind of were up against it for the last 20 when all the changes have been made and he was one of the more experienced players around and yeah it just felt like there was a lot of leadership on display from him i, I thought it was magnificent i don't know what it, what you guys thought about poro's performance i thought it was good um i mean i overall remain definitely impressed because i didn't think that he could make the development that he's made especially in the tiny amount of time that he did it um you said that he's been one of the best players and like i don't disagree but then like so of like five other players yes yeah, the, the, le- the levels are so high aren't they um yeah i don't know i don't know if he was my i don't know who if he if i'd make him for the man of the match um but i guess yeah like we've talked about before his his brilliance has kind of become normalized um yeah i guess um i guess what i'm looking for from him now in order to be in man of the match contention is for him to do everything he's doing and build up and also do a couple of brilliant final balls that create golden chances whether that's from wide or from the channel or a through ball or from a run or something i want him to start start making the difference in the final third occasionally on top of everything else that he's already doing yeah, I thought he had a good game. He made some really nice tackles in the first half when they caused us some issues down down their left hand side. But I, I'd probably give it to Madison. I thought Madison was exceptional. I thought he took his goal at a really difficult moment really well, and I just think he gives us a sense of calm and just a, a, a real leadership vibe about him. So I, I perhaps would have gone Madison, but I don't think anyone was outstanding. But I just don't think anyone was terrible. If you see what I mean, it was a difficult game to call. We did what we needed to do to win that game, and it was um, it was a, it was a classic Spurs. Moment moment in time where we could go clear at the top and in previous years we would have found a way to draw that or perhaps even lose it but we didn't and that's really nice 
There were quite a lot of calls on my Twitter feed for Romero to be man of the match. Um, sure. Mm, I thought. Yeah. I thought. I thought again. Plenty of leadership qualities. A lot of quality. Some really, really impressive passing. But I also thought he put us in trouble a couple of times. For the first time, maybe this season, I felt Romero and Vicario both scared me a couple of times. Can I just say that Mickey van der Ven chasing a forward down the channel towards... So the ball's gone over his head and he's chasing a forward to his own goal. It's, one of, it's, it's, it's a spectacular thing that human mm. beings, that Spurs fans need to witness in person because <laughs> he... He's so quick, but he like logically he shouldn't be that quick because he's massive. <laughs> he would honestly, if you gave him a rugby ball and just threw it to him, he would he would he could play he could play World Cup rugby. That guy is he's just he's just such a specimen. And I think him chasing down there was one bit I think it was was it him there was maybe him and his or 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 uh, Vinicius what I think no it was Vinicius in the first half he just yeah. gave up. Did you see it? He just gave up. The ball went over the top. Vinicius went. He pumped his arms and legs and he went for about five steps and then just realised there was no point and <laughs> he just chance. quit. <laughs> he just quit. <laughs> his, uh, Van der Ven running towards his own goal is sensational. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're a long-time listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for about a year and a half. It's part of my routine. It's my shtick. It's what I do. I'm Italian. I drink AG1 and I say things. A lot of things. You see, what I like about AG1 is it keeps me from making health mistakes. I trust it to provide me with what I need. Unfortunately, AG1 can't manage everything in my life, like my Twitter account. But I trust it to help me manage my health. Drink AG1 because we all make enough mistakes in our lives. AG1 is my backup. It's my Mickey van der Ven chasing the ball down the channel or a last minute sliding block by Romero. Now, if only AG1 could manage my socials. Drink AG1, make fewer mistakes, be better. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Jacob says, could we? And I assume by that he means, could we win the title? Is that what he's getting at, do we think? Yes, that's what he's getting at, Wendy. Are you pretending to be this offline or what? He, Wendy's pretending to be... Well, no, because this is a this is a fighting cock thing, Wendy. Flav started this. Um, it's outgrown the fighting cock now, though. Yeah. No, it's, main, it's gone mainstream, I think. It's gone mainstream. So it started as a, could we? As like, could we win the league? So um, that's where Jacob's taking it from. Uh, and what do we think? <laughs> uh, we could. <laughs> 
we won't but <laughs> we'll have some fun along the way like mm. uh uh man uh we just don't have the depth and like i feel slightly better about our depth after the fulham game i think that's fair I to feel say wor- i feel worse about it sweet awesome i guess yeah i mean i guess i specifically feel okay about hoiberg at number six but then skip came on and <laughs> then the Celsa looked rough and johnson looked rough but then both of those two at least are coming back from a long term your mm-hmm. longish injury to be fair and royale did didn't look great but didn't look bad we just yeah we can't we can't keep this up and we are now at a point where okay obviously son's a ridiculous finisher and so we're gonna overperform our expected goals if he's our main goal scorer fair enough but also like at the same time is vicario gonna keep just never letting the ball in his net game after game after game maybe maybe i don't you know we don't have the we don't have the sample on him um (laughs) Just but we to are piss me off. Stein- <laughs> yeah, just, just just to own Vardy. <laughs> um, we are now starting starting to look a little a little bit fluky on the underlying numbers. Um, and then, like when that was the case early on, I was like, "Yeah, but look at the incredible football we're playing." And now we've had a couple of games in there where we've definitely been the better side. Um, but you could you could see that Fulham game playing out a different way. You could see, maybe not the Fulham game, but you could see the Sheffield United game playing out a different way. Um, obviously, certainly Arsenal Liverpool games are are separate from all of that because they're to they're some different. degree they're a coin toss. They're a coin toss, right? But I don't know. I I I've, at some point in our future this season we're gonna like put up three expected goals and score nothing from them. And I guess the Luton game was was heading <laughs> was heading that way. <laughs> Um, but then obviously the depth, the depth is just not there. And I think that, um, unless we were to bring in like four players in January, which is not going to happen, I think that we should because, because then we could, right? Um, but unless we were to do that, then, you know, in the second half of the season, C, you're just going to pull away. I think there's, I think there's two sides to this. So could we, yes, we could, but I think our lack of games is a pro and also a con. So it's, if everybody stays fit, the lack of games will be great because we can keep playing our first 11. I think our first 11 is good enough to beat most teams. But the fact that we're going to have to swap players in and out, we just don't have the minutes to give these guys, LaCelso, Johnson, the kind of run up to get fit again. So I think that will hurt us. But I think we need to remember where we were before the season started and what we oh, were looking yeah, for. What yeah. we, were look, we were looking for this season to enjoy the football. We were doing that. We were looking for a connection to the football club. We've got that. And I think we'll finish top four. And I think that will be, without being all Arsenal and trust the process and the rest of that nonsense, I think that will be a really good season considering where, realistically, where we thought we would end up this year. That's 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 the upper end of what we wanted 100% coming into that, the I mean, season, right? That was beyond my expectations for this year. I I was happy with top six. And then and then could we? Yeah, but like maybe next season, maybe the season after that. Long term, I definitely definitely think we could. I just don't think we're ready yet, and that's okay. And we can we can enjoy it. And 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 well, this and, is it, uh, isn't it? Yeah, this is just the beginning. It. This is just the beginning. It's very exciting. Like we're such a small way into this this journey under Postacoglu. Um, I put a tweet out earlier, uh, a little thread about how we need a couple more transfer windows. 
kind of touching on the point Bardi made that we we don't have the games to keep some of the other players fit, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like Postacoglu has full faith in them because like one of the ways he could be keeping them with minutes in their legs and involved is by making earlier subs, but he doesn't want to do that. He's got a trust a trusted starting eleven. And beyond that, it feels like there are maybe a handful of players that he really rates. Hoybier being one of them. I, I feel like Bentancourt coming back is going to be huge. Uh, and Saar being like a rotation with Bentancourt is, is going to be wonderful. That that puts our midfield in a much better place. But maybe Hoybier leaves in January because he wanted to leave in the summer. And then we have to sign a six. Um, there's, there's a lot to do in the next two windows still to strengthen the squad. I think we need two new fullbacks to compete um we need a winger we need something to compete with madison like an 810 hybrid or, or an actual 10 because i don't think lacelso is going to stick around personally and we Let's, need center backs um, lacelso i want to see off the bench a couple more times over the next few weeks before he's I not sticking to... around he's not st- even if we want him to stick around he's gone you think so yeah with the lack of game time he's had so far but that's because he's been injured man (laughs) yeah but like even when he's not been injured he's barely been involved and there were rumors of him being homesick and wanting to go back to spain i just i just can't see it i I really can't see it Uh, look i my hope is that one of the squad players breaks out and becomes really important brian hill brennan johnson they've got the ability to to thrust themselves into the starting eleven. Um, and I would love that to happen. I think that would be a, a real bonus. But like, like being practical, it's going to take two transfer windows, maybe three, to to get this squad into a place that can challenge for the title. And that is not a disgrace. Like we're, we've done incredibly well, as Bardi says. The the distance we've come already is magnificent. I'm talking about the depth issue. This uh, question was from Toby McCarthy who said, love the pod. I've been reflecting on Hoybier as a backup to Basuma, and I wonder if Ange would consider starting Hoybier versus Palace to make sure Basuma doesn't get a yellow and is available against Chelsea. I feel like the difference is more significant in the Chelsea game where we pressed harder than against Palace. Um, so I think that's a really interesting conundrum. But I would add <laughs> I would add into that that both Udogi and Saar came off injured, and... We don't know if Son is going to be able to play two games in five days, given we're managing his injury at the moment. So we could already be a little thin against Palace. What do we think? Is it the kind of game where you start Hoybier? Uh I think you, you. I think you have to start Basuma. He's our first choice centre midfielder in that role. I think he has to start. There's no point. There's no point looking for like the points which don't aren't there. Play Palace, beat Palace, and then move on to Chelsea. I don't think we're in a position where we can start taking three points for granted against Palace. Let's beat them, and then if we're clear, take Basuma off or ask him not to pull someone back. Which is he keeps see he keeps getting the same yellow. Stop pulling people. Back. Back. Just let them go and trust your centre backs. Oh yeah, I don't mind the idea. I think it's, I think it's well. I, I guess, like Wendy says, it it depends on um, who else might be sitting out that game. But I'm open to that. I'm open to that kind of thinking. Is what what I would say at the least. Yeah. But if we beat Palace, that's even more points in front of City, and then they've got to play Manchester United, and it's about continuing to bloody. I'm going to say it. Put the pressure on. <laughs> so um, I, I mean, think, I, I th- yeah, I, I agree generally with the principle that like. Um, if you beat all of the teams below you, that's the best way <laughs> to like challenge for the title win. And games against your like the top six rivals are actually not that important on a statistical basis. Um, so I, I I agree with you on that basis, but I just think I just think that I will take actually three points against Palace for granted. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if Saar is unavailable, 
Do you play Basuma Hoybier Madison? Do you play yeah. Basuma Skip Madison? Skip's not starting unless he absolutely has to now. I'm sorry, man. I like him. And I I was speaking on him for quite a while, but um He was really rough yesterday. <sighs> I don't wanna He's not I, had minutes, so like it's the rustiness is there, isn't it? He's a good player and I don't wanna crap on him, but um um yeah. And I and, and and like on top of that, even I would go so far as to be like, I think that they're the the Hoybier probably could have started over Sarah a lot of times, and I don't know we've had this conversation again already. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't mind seeing Hoybier playing that eight role a bit. So yeah, if if Sarah's out, then then Hoybier and Basuma. Mm-hmm. I would like to briefly change the subject. Uh, you may remember that I did a podcast with Joe Barton, who wrote Giri Haji. Uh, incredible TV show. Definitely recommend Giri Haji. And I followed Joe ever since. I, I really... Uh, good tweets. Yeah, good tweets. And he won a BAFTA for the Lazarus Project, which I hadn't got round to watching yet. And it prompted me to start watching the Lazarus Project. Have either of you seen it? No, but I was listening to um, one of the actors was on um, uh, Off Menu Podcast. Yes, yeah. yes, because it's about to come back to season two. It's mm. really good. It's really, really, really good. And Joe has managed to shoehorn in some Spurs references, which are very enjoyable as well. Uh, <laughs> He's named one of the characters Rob. He has indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's good stuff. It's it's like it's sci-fi, but it's it's sci-fi in a fairly gentle way, I suppose. Um, in that it feels real. It's like based in it's based in Britain as it is now. It's good stuff, man. Really good cast as well. Uh, definitely recommend that. And okay. also, we got this from Charlie, who says. In November 2023, I will be volunteering with the charity For Ukraine and helping to deliver a large shipment of medical supplies and humanitarian aid to people in Ukraine. The medical supplies will be distributed to where they are needed most and humanitarian aid will be delivered to orphanages that help children who've been affected by the conflict. The money I'm raising will be used to help cover the logistical costs of moving the aid and supplies, whilst additional funds will be used to purchase supplies for the orphanages. The orphanages rely on these funds to help clothe, feed and take care of the children who rely on them. With winter fast approaching and the war grinding on, these donations will be invaluable and gratefully received by those caught up in the conflict. I know that we're experiencing our own financial problems in the UK, a special mention for my colleagues in the TV world, but even a small donation will go a long way to helping me to reach my target of £1,000. And Charlie has um, included a link to his Just Giving page, which we will put in our show notes. Um, yeah, if you can help Charlie, then I think that's a very noble cause and well done for him to for putting himself out there and, and doing something like that. It's, it's really impressive. Um, finally, this is very admin heavy, this section of the pod. Sanjeev Kumar said, I'm concerned about Twitter. We need to get the Spurs community onto a different platform. You are best placed to do this. I'm on Blue Sky and Mastodon. Please pick a platform so that we can have a mass migration and get off the cesspit that Musk has created. Uh, so I just wanted to flag up that a couple of Spurs users that I, I enjoy, not that Milo and Unfit for Purpose, have been helping people move to Blue Sky, which seems to be the preferred platform. So once again, I'll put that link in the show notes and you can have a look and they will help you with an 
invite code to Blue Sky if you're interested in joining the Spurs community that's forming over there. Final question for, for this week. Jeremy Kinsella says, question based on an observation, really. It seems in the four games so far this season, so that dates the question somewhat, <laughs> that there's a reluctance to shoot from the edge of the box or further back. There's a tendency to walk it in. Sonny in particular seems to avoid the option to shoot, especially first time, and tends to dither and continue to dribble and ends up losing the ball or looking for a pass. Is this a symptom of Angie's system or just a coincidence? Shooting from distance is a great strength of Sonny's as well as Decky, Madison and others, so it would be a shame to discourage it. And I don't know about you guys, but I did definitely feel like we overplayed a few times against Fulham and could have taken shots. Uh, Interestingly, we also... Uh, didn't shoot from some set pieces, and I really, really enjoyed those set piece routines. Although they didn't get, they didn't come off very well. Buddy feels no. the exact opposite. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> we had that free kick early in the in the first half, and since we've had Madison, a free kick expert, been wishing for a free kick in that area, and they they try a fancy routine, just just hit it. I just wanted to see him hit it. I was I obviously had we scored it would have been great, but I was disappointed he didn't whack it. We've been we've been watching Kane smack balls into Rosette for ten years. I was looking forward to seeing a proper free kick expert have a go. Because Porro can hit a free kick as well. So I was disappointed we didn't we didn't have a crack. But as for shooting for distance, Saar shoots all the time, perhaps too much. But there yeah. was definitely a an urge from the crowd every time the ball dropped to someone twenty five yards out for them to shoot. I don't know if that was picked up in the cat on the on the microphones. Not so much, no. But I mean, I felt it like there were a couple of opportunities where I felt someone just needs to put their foot through this. And actually, they tried the extra pass and it went to nothing. Uh, so I mentioned sort of um, some of the more slightly negative signs in the underlying numbers. But uh, we are absolutely dominating the league in touches in the opponent's penalty area. Um, and I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is generally a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's close to the goal, isn't it? And but, and also, like, Sun's still overperforming his expected goals by like double. So I don't know what much more you want from him in that. In that, I extent. mean, I think the thing is, like, Son, Madison, Kulusevski, all really exceptional shooters from range. Yeah, Poro as well. Like, Kulusevski's most of the time too wide for for a good shooting angle. Now That's a lot true. of the time. That's true. Um, and he has to take the extra. Um, the extra two steps to get to that shoot to get to that shooting location now and then when he does that we saw this against Fulham he gets it blocked so it's a little difficult from him but yeah Madison could probably pop a few more from distance uh, especially if Saar has less so <laughs> yeah thoughts on the set pieces um I'm interested to see more I mean I, I guess just on a basic level I I like outside the box thinking in terms of not just shooting first time and then even when we did shoot uh, we put some motion on the ball which uh, is interesting I wonder who is responsible um, mm. for that and what might be next I really enjoyed the, uh, the the cross to the back post which Romero headed back across goal and Van de Ven uh, connected reasonably well with his right foot but his right foot is definitely weaker than his left and then you've also got Van der Ven's goal against Luton starting to get a little interesting with the uh, the more indirect uh, set piece stuff something to keep an eye on for now you have been listening to The Extra Inch with me Windy my sidekick and best friend Barney and our tactics guy Nathan if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. 
Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindemer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindemer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.